So we're uh, we're calling this season three because every time we take a break due to a a, a life milestone, we're just going to end the season there. We had a pretty good streak though. We made it like uh, I think over ten episodes. Look so, at us. Hey, you know that's it's a pretty good average season. So we're back, Super. season three. Um, yeah, Trace. Trace. Let's do it. What do they call uh, Ice Trey? I was going to say what what do they call uh, Trey Young? ATL. Oh, I thought. Okay. For all my I NBA fans out there, else. you know, even though viewership's down, I'm holding, I'm holding it down. I'm holding it down. You know, mm-hmm. LeBron's going out. Good things come in threes. It wasn't too crazy. Well, we were gone for what two weeks. It wasn't too crazy. I think two, no, three weeks. Three weeks. Because we missed the week before because it was final season. That's, That's okay. Bad. We can't just blame it on us. Me, it's my fault. <laughs> I was in final season too. You know, so you know, even though it was way yeah, we got to we got to all see each other. That was cool. We got to all see each other. Yeah. That's great. We're all yeah. vaccinated, so you know. COVID, well, I don't know. I don't know what our percentage rates are at lately. Last time I saw, we were in like the mid over fifty percent of the population. Mm-hmm. I don't know where we're at now. Lowest since July last year. Yeah, yeah. A couple of the headlines for you: uh, Bibi Netanyahu, uh, Prime Minister Israel, is he out? Is he? Uh, I know they have like a partial agreement here. We have until midnight uh, today is uh, June second. Supposedly. Like, why is what's the time crunch? Why is there a time crunch? Uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not a, where's a Mbari when we need him? I'm not a Israeli <laughs> constitution expert. Yeah, I'm no assuming idea. maybe from the moment, my guess would be from the moment they invoke something like a vote of confidence in him, they would have a certain amount of days to probably conclude their decision. Um, okay. I was wondering why, because be I guess. saw too that they had till midnight, um, but it looked like they were likely getting a coalition, but I just couldn't so in, understand in like theory, why there was a last, time Last limit. I saw was like around like four or five uh, they had come to an agreement and it was up until like they have until midnight to make it official, I guess. So, uh, maybe hopefully he's out, even though we don't even know what anything after him looks like could be a lot worse. I don't know. I'm kind of surprised that it, he's going, he's on his way out. Uh, other things going on, uh, big week for infrastructure and, uh, Joe Manchin's bipartisanship at the Senate level. Uh, this is kind of like time crunch. Now we're getting into the, uh, I think Pelosi said she wanted an infrastructure bill out of the house mid late June. Uh, Schumer in a perfect world would like it out before the August recess. So we're thinking sometime late July, not going to happen, uh, but that's what he's shooting for. So this is kind of a time, time crunch week. Um, I know the last thing I saw the Republicans I proposed something, I think just under a trillion dollar uh, plan, not that not really look at too many details in there. I think automatically off the bat, the left was saying it didn't incorporate enough. So again, it looks like uh, between what's this first, his Biden's first half is 1.9 trillion, I think is what he's proposing um, compared to about a trillion less from the Republicans. So still a lot of ground to make up. So keep an eye on that going forward. Uh, it's going to be very interesting because obviously I highly doubt they're going to come to any sort of agreement uh, to get anything substantial passed. So I think Biden's meeting with or met with is meeting or already did meet with Republicans this week um, to negotiate that bill to, or to come to some kind of middle ground, I guess. It's funny, we were, we were talking about this early today, uh, the abduction that happened in Belarus. For, for those that don't know, there's a, essentially a dictator that's, that's run Belarus. It's a uh, Eastern European, uh, former Soviet Union country. He's been running since like the 90s, I believe. 94. Yeah, yeah not mistaken. The country's getting tired of this shit. It's not really going well for, for the average Joe over there. So he's, he's cracking down. He's a dictator. So recently he actually intercepted an international flight that was going over Belarusian, Belarusian 
airspace. I believe it was a vlogger or something along the likes of YouTube guy or something like that, um, that has said that's pretty popular and has come out and said negative things regarding uh, his reign over Belarus. So once this plane flew over Belarusian airspace, they grounded it for threats of safety and actually escorted and, and kidnapped, uh, you know, a social journalist almost off the plane. And uh, I haven't really seen much since I'm assuming he told people on the plane that he expected to be killed or, you know, beaten and things such as that. While we were talking about today, I actually saw where Myanmar has now done the same thing with an American journalist. And I said, Logan, I see you shaking your head. Do you, do you want to explain what happened? With it? I didn't really read too much into it. I didn't read the specifics on Myanmar, but just like, I find it really funny because like, you all know from like your international law classes and whatever, like the origins of international law in maritime law. So you have all these laws like that were developed to prevent countries from seizing international vessels and kidnapping people off of them. And I was looking at like, uh, I don't know what news channel it was. It might've been the Hill, but there was these people from the UN talking about these are grave violations of maritime uh, policies. It's like, oh my God, the best we have to do with dictators kidnapping people off planes is like laws about pirates. Right. Yeah. It has nothing to do with uh, freedom of press or holding elected officials accountable or anything like that. And that's all we have. We're heading not only for American democracy, but uh, democracy on an international scale. Um, It's always being attacked, man. Don't don't ever forget the, the fight for democracy, the good fight. It's always going on. Lukashenko, the leader of Belarus, also known as Europe's last dictator. Hmm. So the person who, and I am terrible because I can't think of the guy's name that actually was kidnapped, but you're right. He was like a vlogger, but he was somebody that like helped uh, promote protests and mobilize people uh, during, after the, the Belarusian elections in which the election in which Lukashenko stole the election. And so that's kind of why he's, you know, why they went after him. And I, I just think it's important to highlight, you know, this flight was coming, was moving from, I know it was going to Lithuania. I'm trying to think of where it was coming from, Netherlands or something. And that they were in Belarusian airspace, had already uh, flown over Minsk. In fact, they were closer to their destination in Lithuania than they were to Belarus, to Minsk. And they were told, you know, oh, there's been a bomb threat. You need to come back. And, you know, ultimately they came back. And I, I think it's just really important important to highlight like what this is and i mean just imagine if like we grounded a flight in the u.s to, to take you know a journalist or social activist or something of some other country like that's i think that's really scary and it, 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 it and the eu currently a lot of them have like grounded flights and are, are banned flight travel to belarus and you know because they're worried about this precedent that this could set like if a, if a country can just ground any flight it wants to get a particular passenger off that's really you know scary and particularly you know obviously when we talk about democracy but just generally like that's and crazy to think that that could happen particularly in europe you know like which is supposed to be democracy and you know particularly within the eu so it's just interesting that that happened and something like i mean if we're already seeing copycats of it like you know, what is Putin going to, you know, now that this has happened, like, can you imagine Putin doing this? Like, I don't think that's that far-fetched or yeah, some that's other. That's an important connection. I mean, for folks who don't know, like Belarus means little Russia. And I think it's, it would be naive to say this could happen without Putin being in Russia, no one being willing to stand up to him for the past God knows how many years now. I mean, it just goes to show 
how Russia was able to grow, not just during Trump's administration, but uh, during Obama's as well. Give us, give us our uh, Texas update, Logan. Bro, you're just so low energy today. I know democracy is dying, but it doesn't mean you have to. Um, He's upset about Coach K. Oh, yeah. He is, isn't he? Yeah, because now <laughs> the camera has to because he gets to go on a, a Phil World tour, and it's just like I'm not even going to watch college basketball this season. Bro. All right, well, you're or something March, less depressing. March Madness. <laughs> you're something less depressing, but definitely more depressing. Uh, so Texas uh, decided to pass laws restricting voters. For folks who don't know, Texas is pretty much guaranteed to go blue by 2050. I think was the latest projection I saw. So they're, you know, they're doing everything they can to stop that right now, following the North Carolina playbook plus. So I think there were 20 changes that they made to the electoral laws or, or were proposed in the bill. The Democrats didn't attend so that the vote couldn't go through. And now the Governor Abbott there, he has said that uh, he will be suspending the or he won't he won't sign the bill that funds legislators salaries. So essentially, you know, cutting the legislature out of being a functioning body. I guess what's most that like none of that is surprising, which just speaks to the times in itself. But I, I when I was digging through, I saw that Texas Democrats actually have a really long history of walking out. So in 2003, when Rick Perry was governor, rest in peace, Rick Perry. He's not dead. He's just dead politically. <laughs> um, when he was governor, uh, the Democrats did the same thing. They walked out and they fled state lines. Uh, so that the state marshals couldn't arrest them. This is just like part of politics, like legislators and skipping their jobs and marshals going and hunting them down. Like Rick Perry asked governors of other states to authorize their marshals to arrest people. And I think I, I can't remember who it was. I think it's the governor of Arizona, uh, Democrat, said, you know, obviously I'm not going to follow this dictate. You're not going to tell me how to direct my law enforcement. But, you know, it's interesting that people want to arrest people who are working so hard for equal health care, good education, and rights for the poor. Uh, so we've progressed from these kind of like little games where the marshals go hunting to like, oh, no, he's actually going to defund the legislature. Right. It just shows how, what, that 18-year period, how how shit things have gotten in the That's Republican Party. Yeah, so uh, Texas is not doing so hot, so we're, we're officially, uh, as of June 2nd, we're, we're endorsing Matthew McConaughey for the Democratic governor of the great state of Texas. So full-fledged behind McConaughey. Let's make the uh, state of Texas great again. So, uh, how have you? How where are you out in the filibuster, Jordan? Uh, is that? Still, I still okay. Here's the thing. For I, you? No, here's okay. I feel like I know I get shit because I'm not like, oh my god, the filibuster. Because the filibuster sucks. Like it does suck. I, I acknowledge that we don't get anything done. I just think about. The last few years when the Republicans had the majority in the Senate, and if there was no filibuster, what would have happened? You know, like, I think about things like that, and it's like, ah. and then part of me is like, well, we should just have to suck it up. And if the voting systems were fair, like if gerrymandering didn't exist, and like we allowed people to vote easily and all of these things, then a particular outcome happened that I didn't agree with. I could just, I could acknowledge it. Well, well at least like this was a fair process and blah, 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 blah. But like, those don't exist. <laughs> so therefore the Senate is not reflective of the general population. And so then, then it scares me <laughs> to like let Republicans just kind of do whatever. And of course that means that we're, that also hurts Democrats, but that's where I get nervous. Is just like, imagine if 
the Republicans had had didn't have the filibuster in you know 2017 2018 like it's just so my question is if they get rid of it and then we pass these monumental social initiative pieces of legislation the greatest thing that the average American in this country has seen since the Great Depression are Republicans really going to let's say they win theoretically in 24 are they really going to come back behind all that with now millions of people benefiting off of a reinvestment into the infrastructure of the country and just erase that start like tearing that down and the country's not gonna uh, shit. yes affordable care act <laughs> like yeah but that wasn't like all the way so i will give you that i'll say that 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 is evidence but it wasn't like like if you're in the middle of like rebuilding a bridge or like repaving roads or like in the middle of building a school or business district well i mean i think like infrastructure that. i think that's a when it comes to infrastructure, then yeah, like that's, I think that's a little bit different. Like, I feel like you can come to some kind of bipartisan way that like, maybe they would come in and not like reverse everything, but like, you know, that feels a little bit more of a bipartisan issue than like student loan forgiveness, the green, like, you know, implementing more climate change initiatives or like that real more progressive policy that, you know, we all would like to see. Um, or, you know, re- revisiting healthcare and all of that. And that's like, I don't want us to a, get in a position where we're just going back and forth, back and forth, like the, essentially what the Affordable Care Act has happened in the last decade, especially when like we can't even get the Democratic Party to get on one page of how to view any of these issues, let alone get them on enough of a page to then be able to stand up to the Republicans. Like we still have Joe Manchin and uh, Kirsten Cinema and all, you know, like, so that's what makes me like, I, I do think the filibuster should be abolished if everything was fair. <laughs> like if we, if people could vote freely and if people's voices were heard and if there was no gerrymandering and if like the system functioned in the way that we all think it should, you know, where everybody has an equal say, then yeah, get rid of the filibuster. And I can acknowledge that, you know, if Republicans have the majority at that point or just somebody who has a different opinion than me, I can acknowledge and bow down and say, yep, I get it and move on. But you know, when the Senate is already so skewed towards conservatives, like the Republican Party particularly, and that Republicans are overrepresented in the Senate. Yeah, the Democrats have a majority now. And that's not to say that they aren't, you know, that they're going to lose it. But I mean, just statistically, the Senate is set to be a conservative body the way that it is functioning now. And that's that's unfair, the way it's set up. So do I want filibuster to go away where you know right now yeah it would be really convenient for us but like i'm not convinced we keep the senate in 2022 you know so i said that i think i've said that i think i've said that before i don't think they're gonna keep it then when you recommend repealer now and pass as quick as you can why so that they can just turn around and do it like reverse it put them put them make them make them do it well because we'll have the the president from 22 to 24 so we could get at least some time of passing things. Not like we're gonna get screwed over like from twenty two to twenty four by a Republican Senate. I, I don't think to, we. I, I'm, I'm more confident that we can keep the House, but I think our, our. I wouldn't be surprised if our margin shrinks even smaller. Plus, the young bucks who voted yes to impeachment and aren't allowed back on their side. Right. Of the <laughs> I think the thing with the Senate that I realized recently. I don't know why I didn't think of this before, but uh, I'm really scared about someone dying. Like I didn't think like. We got a bunch of old people. Like you get yeah. two of those Democrats in like Special current, election. like 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 bad situations. Like currently, it's eight. 
but there are five but there are five vacancies and of those vacancies three were democrat vacancies and there's two republican vacancies so the vac- so if the Democrats took all the vacancies, okay, then we're still only at 13. So it is closer than I thought. So, I know we lost a bunch of seats in 2020. I just wasn't sure how many. What is, uh, what would you say the timeline is for temperature increasing on the Biden administration as the months tick by, as we get closer to midterms? That's the gamble, right? Because eventually it gets too close to midterms to be worth right. it. My thing is, Okay, you end the filibuster, you pass student loan forgiveness like the month before midterm elections. Do you know what you're, I mean, you already have college educated voters as Democrat, but now you have like all the college age voters, (laughs) you know, I mean, I, I, that would be the gamble of a lifetime, but it's what he's waiting for. uh, And that would be, he's not going to cancel student loans. (laughs) Uh, And that's the thing, like, that would be something that like, that would be something that like the Republicans couldn't reverse. Like, they're not going to come in and be like, just kidding. Like, here's everybody's debt back. But Biden is not going to do that. You think Biden's going to cancel 10,000? You know, here's the thing. Six months ago, I would have been like, yeah. Now, I have no idea. (sighs) I like, I really am not confident. I don't know, man. So, like, you know, you know, he did the the speech down in uh, Tulsa the other day. And uh, he was, again, he mentioned that he's getting pressure from anything that really deals with the subject of reparations or any type of. Uh, benefit given back to people that have been affected for hundreds of years in this country racially is like uh, forgiving student loans again. If you forgive student loans, a huge significant portion of that is African-Americans in this country. So he's getting a lot of pressure on that front. So, I mean, that's kind of good because it becomes like a double sided thing that you can get pressure both from college age kids that are debt laden and also on the social justice front. So again, I mean, uh, like if we, if we get rid of the filibuster, do we still, do all the Democrats vote in favor of student loan forgiveness? You're going to have to start whipping at that point. You already <laughs> whipped enough to get rid of the filibuster. <laughs> but I mean, like, I, I, that's I just, the thing. I just whip yeah. to get rid of the filibuster. And then my next thing is like, you yeah, start voting with no. student loan relief. <laughs> I agree that the filibuster is bad. Like, it really is. And it stops a lot of really important legislation. But to me, the alternative is. So I guess, okay, so I guess. Now that we have this aside about the filibuster, let's oh, go back yeah, to the, the commission. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so it, uh, the vote to have the bipartisan commission on January 6th was voted down. Uh, kind of a bummer, but an expected bummer. Just kind of the history of the legislature at this point. Let's not uh, kid ourselves with that bipartisan there either. Can you imagine like the stage that that questionings in the meetings would have become if ted cruz would have been allowed to be on the commission yeah they put like burr on there and people who have been reasonable hopefully on people but, who are on their way out yeah that's also burr but <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> they uh i mean it's a bummer i think because now we're not going to have any facts but i think a piece of optimism is like like with the 9-11 commission, like it took all those years for the Saudi Arabia clauses to get put out, but they eventually get out. And I mean, eventually I think something could be formed. Jordan, you probably know more about like fact finding processes. And that's kind of the disappointing part for me is that by delaying it, you just lose some facts. People die, people forget, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. Or like the political, particularly because this, this one is so politically charged, but like, the political narrative around it is going to change or the political environment, you know, like people are going to, we're going to view this event 
differently even in a year a year from now than we do and so people might not be as candid or so of course and this is I mean true in any investigation the closer to the to the actual event that you can investigate the better uh can Biden just like do a presidential committee uh I mean he could so the problem is he could task he could like task the DOJ which is I mean essentially the DOJ is already got a bunch of investigations right the point of this commission would be for the purpose of Congress, like Congress having findings, not Biden or his, you know, like the president putting his name on it and will always just skew it depending, no matter who the president it, it just puts. Yeah. Whereas if it's coming from Congress, in theory, it's supposed to be this bipartisan, like, oh, we are investigating and we're investigating, you know, absent the office of the presidency like this whole thing is tied to the presidency because of trump being in office at the time so i think it, it's extra important that the investigation is led by another branch obviously congress because we're investigating essentially another branch of government yeah i did I think see subpoena powers too right like if it was yeah. senate commission mm-hmm. they have unique subpoena i don't know that side of they thing. do have they do have subpoena powers the problem so like the obviously the doj has subpoena powers but like the doj can't do like a they can only investigate in order to charge crimes, which they've already done. So like that's already kind of maxed out. So in order to get some kind of report or background, it's like the Mueller investigation, like you need that to come through Congress. And it's just really disappointing that they couldn't get it together. And I will say, did you guys see like what Joe Manchin said about that vote? I thought that was a good, you know, a good little tidbit for him. And he just was saying like, you know, that he supported it and he was really disappointed in his Republican colleagues for not being able to put country over party. And, da, 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 da. and so I don't know, like maybe that'll like push Manchin in the direction of like realizing that like maybe bipartisanship is just not practical at this oh, point. I thought you were like, going to get rid of the filibuster and I was going to Oh, be he's like, not going to No, no. No. But no, but like that, that moving it. So I, I think this could be particularly important on the infrastructure bill, right? Like Manchin Great. is going to want to like he wants this to be bipartisan. He wants it to be moderate. He wants to see like debate between de- Democrats and Republicans. But like, I think after this vote, like maybe that'll make him see like, hey, maybe we just need to do what we can do. If the Republicans get on board, great. But like, we don't have time to like particularly cater to them when they're not, they don't care. They only care about their own party. So yeah. I, th- I think either the Times or the Post um, <laughs> did an article about it that was kind of similar to what you ended on there with saying that they put the commission vote out on the floor uh, basically is like your warning shot or like your know where you stand kind of shot. So they knew that it was going to fail with filibuster. They did that on purpose to see who they could get to cross the aisle, how attitudes would flare up, who's agitated with it, who's not to get ready for the infrastructure to be able to see if the appetite would be there to, if necessary, I don't think they're going to abolish the filibuster, but if necessary, pass the infrastructure bill through reconciliation. If they have enough mm-hmm. anger there on the left side with mansion and cinema to be able to pass it uh, with that so i think politically we knew that this was wasn't going to happen but publicly you know again media is going to throw it up there and then everybody's going to use it as a clickbait headline logan because i think you you would probably do a good job of describing it in your opinion to put this to somebody who may not know why what in your words would be the reason why republicans did not want this established That's actually a really good question because I haven't read any quotes from Republicans and I don't read like 
you know, like HuffPost. Like I read like the Times and Washington mm-hmm. Post and stuff. Like I read like sources that would quote Republicans on it. And there's probably some reasons in their own words. Surrey County, North Carolina, <laughs> which is uh, legendarily racist. No offense to our Surrey listeners, uh, but may want to attend some uh, bias training. Surrey County just banned Coca-Cola vending machines in their in their county buildings. They had always been Coke users. The reason that they stated was that Coke is engaging in left-wing politics oh, no. about the Georgia legislation, right? At a time and it's at a time when many believe the previous election was stolen. This is the a county government. And so I think Surrey County puts it pretty well for why many Republicans say this. At a time when many in our base believe the election was stolen, who are we to create a commission to investigate the logical outpouring of anger that would come from that? Right. And we, we've we already talked about on this podcast, if the election was stolen, I mean, we'd all be on the streets. That's like the end of democracy. Like right. none of us want, mm-hmm. <laughs> none of us are here for that. But that's just not, that's not what happened. That's not the reality. And so... Mm-hmm. It's it's a willingness to feed the delusions of your base. It's uh, basic desire satisfaction. I don't know. It's 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 politics in its lowest form. So this week's Matt Gates update is going to be a general Florida updates. Uh, Matt Gates, nothing really going on new here. I think uh, I can't remember which outlet it was, but reading that they would it would be like late July if it got to late July and the DOJ had not announced any charges against Gates, that it was most likely that it would not happen. So it looks like late somewhere around late summer uh, is going to be our our finish line. Maybe we'll see what happens. But another Florida news: um, our hot take twenty twenty four presidential uh, Republican candidate for president, Ron DeSantis, proceeded to celebrate the first day of Pride Month by passing a trans high school sports bill. Yeah. Yikes. And, well, and Florida is just the newest state. I think there are now eight states that have passed a comparable ban. <laughs> so it's not just Florida, but Florida is just the, the newest. And the, this new string of bigotry and discrimination and a really unnecessary culture war that we need to have or moral panic about trans women or trans teenage girls playing sports with other girls and there being some... Yeah, it's just a moral panic that we, you know, we go through these moral panics all the time, and it's just the newest one. It's just the newest one, and it's, I I find it frustrating because it's like, you know, we have a gazillion other issues that we could be looking at right now, Mm -hmm. Um, even if we, even just with kids or teenage, teenagers, like, how about education? How about funding or what about- Florida has alligators. Like, you got to do something about the alligators. (laughs) But But like, what about, like- paying your teachers or what about mm. your education system or like your textbooks that are saying oh yeah mm. school shooting like there are just so many more things that are bigger threats to even if we just look focus on high schoolers that are so much more comp- like comprehensive sex education like there's just so many other things that we could be writing bills about and yet here we are and the florida legislature and ron DeSantis have decided you know what i'm gonna dedicate my time to making sure that trans girls can't play on a female sports team because there might be some disadvantage like are you serious like that's what we're concerned about and like please point me to a place where like a trans 
teenage girl is like dominating her sport and is like the state champ because you know like please point right. me to that and and even if they are the state champ what is that negatively doing to other people is that going to stop mm -hmm. the second place person from going to a great college no is that going to stop is that stopping anyone no but preventing them from playing on that sports team you're putting that relegates them to a sports team in which they don't identify with gender that is going to mess up their social you know social development it, it it's just in psych like psychiatric and psychological development like that is going to be extremely traumatizing to make a trans teenage girl play on a male sports team like come on you're yeah. setting them up for bullying you're setting them up for suicide it's just so frustrating like why are, why is this what we have to focus on why don't you go past some gun control and save some kids from getting shot or why don't you go past some like sex ed reform so that like kids can get know what birth control is instead of oh maybe there's this one kid somewhere who didn't win one match because they were against a trans girl and maybe that's the reason they lost. I also want to point out that the whole conversation about these bills are always about trans girls, but not mm. the other way around. It's never about trans boys being able to play on sports teams. The mm. conversation and the di the dialogue and the debate is always about trans girls playing on sports teams, which is also just a whole other thing that just irritates me to no end. But yeah, there's some know. like classic like barbarian tribalism going on. Like we have to protect our women. Anytime I hear people in power, like sometimes it's good, you know, we, some, we need genuine voices talking about issues that women are facing. I don't, I don't need the governor of Florida talking about we need to protect our women from trans athletes. Like trans people make up such a tiny portion of the population. I, I don't think people realize like just how small it is, um, which is one reason why people who are interested in social justice fight so hard for them because, uh, it's this tiny group that, that, that really needs support of others to be able to survive in the community. So to say that this tiny portion of the population poses such a threat to our, our young girls and our women, I don't know. We've been here before. This is, this is classic America. It's the same arguments Spearmon, that we're hearing about. Well, it's the same thing about the bathroom bill that North Carolina, like our bathroom mm -hmm. bill. Mm -hmm. Oh, we have to protect women in the bathroom. Yeah, okay, I'm sorry. I am old and middle-aged white men that wrote it. <laughs> That were worried about little kids in bathrooms. And then it turned out that it was actually the old and middle-aged white men that were in the bathrooms, not trans. Mm -hmm. and, and that's the thing. I'm like, as a, as a woman who uses a public restroom, I would prefer um, people go to the bathroom that they identify with than seeing, like, a fully transitioned dude <laughs> in the bathroom with, you know, like, come on. Like, what? Right. If, and it, the other thing is, it's a silly argument to think, what, that some rapist is going to, dress like a woman and come into the bathroom if they were going to rape you they're just going to come in there they don't need to be a, to dress up to do that it really just frustrates me that somehow legislatures can like barrel through this kind of legislation that has no real purpose other than to be discriminatory other than to like get on this religious or moral high ground argument of oh we want to protect women and girls or oh we just care about the safety of the innocent or whatever when they don't actually care about any of that they just want to be bigots like and isn't and, like matt gates still rolling around florida we're talking about yeah. girls, <laughs> girls like come yeah. on or that the freaking leader oh, of like the, the idol of the republican party donald trump glory is a sexual predator who is proud of that like are you joking come on like go like i you whatever like if you're gonna give me a dumb argument give me a dumb argument but be consistent about it come on it's just so frustrating and the, the fact that it's not just florida we're picking on florida it's eight other states that have the same ban 
And I'm sure we'll be quickly followed by other states. North Carolina. Uh, North Carolina, no, I'm no. sure. We, we we'll... went through our battle. We went through our battle. I'm not doing it again. It's just so fresh and stupid. Okay, okay. That's my, um, that was my rant. Okay, so good, good. Time for good guy, bad guy, high guy. Okay, uh, good guy, the good, good gal, good gal of the week, Naomi Osaka. So for those that don't know, uh, the French Open in tennis is coming up. Um, I think a, a week or two ago, Naomi skipped a press briefing or questioning, whatever it was, uh, where she was due to be interviewed. Later turned out, I guess she was fine for that. And then she said she was having uh, some just depression issues and, you know, really feel like being in the public light and stuff like that at the time. And then once the French Open had come out and find her and then basically gave her a verbal reprimand about missing sporting events um, and how that, that could lead to her being banned from not only the French Open, but the U.S. Open and, and other tournaments that had come out against her. Uh, she was withdrew from the French Open altogether and just said, that's fine. I'll just take some time to myself. Um, so huge shout out of that. It's it, not only for being a woman that's doing that kind of thing, but also taking on the entire industry of tennis. I don't there's a huge following in tennis. I don't think a lot of people realize how I think uh, us seeing the spotlight into like the Meghan and Harry interview about how these European customs and these different industries that are hundreds of years old, uh, these different themes, how, you know, things aren't talked about and dealt with a certain way. So I think she's taken on uh, professional tennis in her, in her own light and looks like she's got a lot of support behind her from uh, Serena and, and, and other big athletes, Kyrie Irving. So it's good. I think she's bringing a, conversation to the table that that needs to be had and needs to be paid attention to so naomi you're my uh good gal of the week bad guy is a piece of shit so we got a bad gal um good gal bad this gal. article my, my source for this article though it's widely distributed is uh from uh, arizona central shout out to arizona it the article is titled she's no john mccain so uh like cinema winners okay winners so cinema uh you know, was expected to vote yes on this this capital riot bill that we uh, commission bill that we had talked about, and you know, fully expected to be there. Obviously, she's in a difficult state. Arizona is becoming blue, but uh, you know, has a red history. So, cinema skips the vote. Just you know, doesn't show up because um, you know, you all are working people. Uh, you know, you're allowed to just not show up to your work without repercussions. So she skips the vote and. Uh, Two days later, just to let the air clear, her uh, PR person says cinema couldn't come because of a personal matter. But if she was there, she would have voted yes. I mean, I don't know. I feel like when I don't go to work and I say, well, if I was there, I would have gotten the job done. I don't feel like that gets taken too kindly in my work. And I'm in, like a pretty chill work environment. But uh, yeah, for Senator Cinema, you get to not show up, uh, not stand up to fascism and uh, keep your job. Woohoo! Bad guy Absolutely, too. Uh, it failed by uh, six votes, so kind of an important time to show up. And I kind of like okay, whatever person like if it was like an actual personal matter, like to how I see it is like if you are accepting a job in the public arena and like you had a sincere personal matter, then you should probably disclose a little bit more about what that is. Like if somebody died, you know, like if something crazy is happening, like when you take a job in the personal like the public sphere, then like you have to accept what comes along with that. So if you have a real actual personal matter, maybe say that. And if you don't, just do your job. Show up. 
Yeah, so like as we speak, there's protesters who have been camping outside our house, which is cool. Keep it peaceful, people. But uh, let her know that's some that's some bullshit. I hope there's no, some like no John McCain chance or something. Jordan's got I guys and gals combination of both. Uh, nine of them specifically. So our I five week is going to be the Supreme Court. Well, I mean, I could give a laundry list of reasons of why the Supreme Court needs to chill out sometimes. But the most recent being that the Supreme Court has agreed to hear an abortion case that directly will challenge Roe v. Wade. It's out of Mississippi concerning a state law that wants to ban abortions at after 15 weeks. Um, and for context, the, the current framework for like what, how many weeks an abortion can go is at the end of the second trimester. So by then you're looking at like 24, 25, 26 weeks. So, you know, about two months earlier than what it currently allows. The Supreme Court granted cert and we'll be hearing the case um, in order to grant cert. Um, at least four justices on the court must agree to hear the case. Um, I will leave you to speculate who those four justices were. I mean, we don't know, but I'm going to, I could guess. Why is this Hyatt guy? Okay, so we all know that abortion is obviously a hot topic when it comes to the court. Since in the, the years and decades following Roe v. Wade, slowly but surely the court has just chipped little by little at the Roe right without directly overturning it, but allowing for more restrictions on it. And so this is seen as a pivotal case because now we have a pretty solid conservative majority on the court. The last time the case, a case was heard was, I think, a year ago, maybe last summer or the summer before. And they did end up striking down the abortion, the restrictive law, but it was a 5-4 decision. So we'll have to see. I think what's also important to note here is I'm sure for the listeners and also Garrison and Logan, you've heard about heartbeat bills. So bills that try to ban abortion after yeah. six weeks. All of, I mean, even if those past legislatures, they are always immediately struck down by federal courts. What is really important to look at in this case is that it's a 15-week ban. Um, so it's not as aggressive as a six-week ban. So this kind of provides the court a, a way, if they choose it, to, to continue to, to knock down Roe um, without outright overturning it. I have to say, I don't think the court will outright overturn Roe v. Wade, personally. <laughs> I think they're not ready to do that. Maybe that's a hot take. I do think that they will seek to limit it and just narrow it even more. Um, and that's what Republicans and the conservative justices are really good at, is just like continuing to narrow right until it pretty much doesn't exist anymore. So it's an eye guy because they shouldn't have, I personally think don't take, they should have just not taken the case and just, you know, keep it moving and let Roe stand or, or at least what we have of Roe stand. I, and we don't know what they're going to do. Again, I think that they will narrow. I don't think they'll. I don't think they'll outright overrule it, but they will narrow it. I mean, but they could just keep it intact, which would be awesome. Um, I'm just not very, you know, optimistic that's going to happen, particularly with Justice Barrett on the on the court, who's very very openly against abortion. So it's something to watch. It's something to keep an eye on. Uh, many states have an automatic abortion ban already signed into law so that if Roe v. Wade is ever to be overturned, that law will immediately trigger and go into effect. Uh, many of the states being the Southern states and the Midwestern states. So, you know, let's say they do overturn Roe v. Wade in this decision, then abortion ceases, ceases to exist immediately in, what? you know, a good 12, 14 states. Yeah. That's surprised they haven't done the same thing with uh, like slavery. Well, just in case this Jesus ever Christ. goes away. <laughs> 
I just wanted to be known that Alabama will own people. You know, if you care about abortion rights and reproductive health and whatever, it's a good time to go volunteer, give money, all this stuff to fund, you know, to organizations that promote those rights and to do a lot of activism and work. Um, I myself serve on the board of directors of NARAL North Carolina. So you can donate there or donate to whatever your state is, but this is going to be a really tough fight coming. And it, it's, I'm not, I'm very pessimistic about the outcome. I think a best case scenario, they narrow the right, but worst case scenario, they, you know, overturn Roe v. Wade completely. They're going to do exactly what they were created and designed to do. When, when they finally destroy Roe v. Wade, what are, what are we going to go to next? Oh, what'll be the next moral panic? Yeah. Oh man, they already got rid of like the thirteenth, fourteenth, and fifteenth amendment. <laughs> well, okay, they were they're not gonna over okay. I mean, I don't know. I think I mean there's a lot of things they could go after and like I think what's easy about abortion is that like it's a it's a it's an issue that is like easily well, maybe not easily understood, but like the problem is everyone has an opinion. Everyone has an opinion. It's something that everyone was- knows about. Yeah, exactly. So why would yeah. you get rid of it? You just chip away at it. So that way it's uh, never fully dead enough. There's just enough there for me to keep getting you riled up about. Oh, 15 yeah, weeks. The baby can breathe and talk and experiment and do all kinds of shit. So, like yeah. So Roe v. Wade gave, <laughs> Roe v. Wade granted the right to an abortion under, it's kind of under this idea of right to privacy. Like you have the right, right between, a woman has the right with her doctor to make her own medical decisions. Planned Parenthood v. Casey dealt with restrictions on abortion. So things like a waiting period. A spousal notification so like if you're married and you want to have an abortion like your husband or well yeah your husband has to like approve to that and some other things and essentially what Planned Parenthood versus Casey did was yeah it upheld Roe but it upheld all of those restrictions except the spousal notification so they still said yeah you can have a waiting period yeah like minors might have to need might need parental consent da, 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 da. and then in the years since we've just seen like all these crazy restrictions that are placed on abortion clinics and doctors and access and the supreme court just continued to uphold them so i i don't know i think it would be a bold move to just directly overturn roe v wade and i i don't i personally do not see chief justice roberts jumping on board that train and i mean granted do they need him to overrule it no <laughs> but I, I think I think they just narrow it and they just say, yeah, 15 weeks is fine. Um, but it's, I don't know. I, I guess I don't know what the, how they get to that argument because the whole jurisprudence is based on viability. Like the fetus can't exist outside the mother until 20 something, you know, 26, 27 weeks. So therefore it's her decision. So I don't know how they like justify that in law or precedent, but Roberts has, I mean, Roberts authored the last five word decision on abortion. So like, I think he goes automatically. So I think you need another one. It's not going to be Thomas. It's not going to be Alito. It's not going to be Barrett. So that puts us with Kavanaugh and Gorsuch. And if I had to place Gorsuch is a maybe. Yeah, I think my my bets is on my bets Mm -hmm. are on Gorsuch because he's more libertarian esque, very into privacy, particularly when it comes to like uh, Fourth Amendment things. So if anyone, I put the eggs are in the basket of Neil Gorsuch because it's going to be up to him. Because I feel like Roberts has to side with the liberals only because of he authored the last decision. That means it's going to come down to, I think, Kavanaugh or Gorsuch, and I think that'll be, it'll be Gorsuch. Okay, hot take. We got to keep that one in check. Hey, um, Gorsuch think- saved DACA, so maybe mm-hmm. he can come through again. Oh, well, Neil, thank you, Neil. Uh, <laughs> That's everything I got. Anybody got everything else? Anything else? 
Uh, we want to say quick rest in peace to our former professor, right? Dr. Yeah. Bruce DeHart. I had him for a history class. Jordan was a history major. Jordan, do you have a favorite DeHart story? Yes, I can give a personal one. So <laughs> Dr. DeHart was a phenomenal historian and professor and mentor to me personally. He was actually at my wedding and he passed away a few days after that. So I'm glad that, I mean, we all got to see him and that he got to spend some time with him. But when I was a student, the first class I ever took with him, which was Imperial Russia paper, and he's like giving our papers back and he's like, I graded them twice. He's like the first time I went through, but they were just, I felt like they weren't up to standard. So maybe I was being too harsh. So I went back and boosted everyone like mm. a little bit of a letter. So if you got a B, move to a B plus, et cetera. So I get it back. I had moved to a B plus and I was like, okay, bro, what the freak? I am an A student. I need to know why I didn't get an A. Especially because that meant I got a B the first time around. I didn't get an A. So I went to his office and I was like, hey, like I just need to know what you're looking for because obviously I'm not doing it right. And he told me, he was like, well, you had the best paper in the class. And I said, oh, well, then why didn't I get an A? <laughs> you know, like, okay, well, then. Right. And he was just like, well, it wasn't an A paper. And I was like, all right, well, fair enough. <laughs> and so mm. he, we then spent like 45 minutes going through my paper and how do I need to write, how to be better. And what I can appreciate about that is, you know, I don't think it's a surprise. And I think both of you would agree that like Pembroke is maybe not like, the beacon of, you know, intelligence and students, you know, like we're not Harvard. So it's not, and like, if you just try, it's not hard to do well at Pembroke in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, 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 I agree. So to have a teacher push you when you don't necessarily, this sounds so conceited, but like- No, 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 you're good, you're, me, I get it. Like He's to force me one. to be, yeah, to like make me better and force me mm -hmm. to do better when I didn't necessarily need to be pushed to do that, at least in the Pembroke environment, right? But like. He was thinking of my future long-term. Like I needed to be pushed yep. for that, to go to law school, mm -hmm. to, be, to be in an environment outside of UNC Pembroke. And that's no shade on Pembroke or, you know, the people that go there. I'm just saying <laughs> it's not a difficult or rigorous course of study. I really appreciate that. And like he, even after I graduated, messaged me all the time and like felt like about what I was doing. I, he allowed my brother to go audit one of his classes um, to sit in to figure out my brother was interested in being a history major. Like he just was a phenomenal person. And I, I don't know, it just was crazy. I think it hit me particularly hard because we had just seen him. Like it was literally, I had seen him five days before and that it was that sudden. So, you know, he's a real one. Dedicate the episode to Dr. Bruce DeHart. Yeah. Rest in peace, man. And uh, peace and blessings to his wife as well. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Can think of anybody think big going on what we got nothing crazy again we got infrastructure and i don't know we got a july 4th coming up you know it's gonna be huge yeah yeah just finished memorial day <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> okay uh i get i got nothing else so uh are we still saying get your vaccine yeah right we, we, yeah, we're probably yeah, like sure why not get if you're not vaccinated, vaccinated you're not vaccinated get your goddamn vaccine don't watch don't. fox news like usual read a book Hmm. Yeah, what are y'all reading? I'm reading uh, the Hundred Year Marathon. It's China's okay. strategy to uh, overtake the U.S. hegemon within a hundred years, from the founding of Mao to 2050. Cool. I'm reading a biography of Alexander III of Russia um, that was actually gifted to me by Bruce DeHart, Amen. which I started reading pre that. But when he retired, he gave me literally a crate of books <laughs> and said, "Take mm -hmm. these." 
So I started making my way through them. So currently reading a biography of Alexander III. I'm reading. What textbook are you reading, Lynn? <laughs> the puppet and the dwarf. The, 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 the... What the fuck is that? What is that a JR <laughs> token book? The perverse core of Christianity by Slavoj G. By the most important contemporary philosopher, Slavoj G. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm too dumb for that. Okay, I like it. So don't watch Fox News and read some of that stuff. Don't. That's all I got. That's all we got. Uh, we'll... Follow us on Facebook. Yeah, follow, follow us on, on Twitter. Wait, we don't use and our Instagram. Yeah. Like, rate us wherever you use podcasts. Tell your, tell your friends, friends about us. Tell your friends yeah. about us. If you have friends, like, tell yeah, them. You know, like... Let, like, let us, like, let us live out our lifelong dream of, like, not having to work and just do the podcast. Help like us. Cinema. Get to the- like cinema, yeah. I could just be late to shit. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. I'm late to the podcast this week. Well, we already do that anyway, so we're, we're <laughs> on top. <laughs> and on that note. <laughs>